Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 326. We're recording this in September, the Friday, September the 7th at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can watch this live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. We've got a, a small panel. We've had a, a lot of illness and uh, traveling internationally this week. But we've got a powerful panel. Uh, I think it's, we've got some interesting <laughs> stories. Um, we've got a guest panellist who was gracious to say he would join us, and that's Chris Hawkins. Chris, would you quickly like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hi, yeah. Uh, Christopher Hawkins. I've been on the show once before. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am a, uh, a longtime software industry guy. started my career as a web developer, and these days I make my living as a project manager for software and web design projects. That's great. And Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Of course, thanks. Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchify.com, and I help business owners succeed with profitable membership sites on WordPress. That's great. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We support membership and learning management websites, and we develop them. And if you're stuck on something, we can normally help you. Our um, so let's um, let's get into this. Um, the first story they're going to discuss is AMP um, for WordPress plugin to introduce user-friendly theme support settings in upcoming 1.0 release. Whatever. Uh, what do you reckon about this one, Spencer? I had a conversation a couple months back with a, a client slash friend of mine who was really gung ho about using AMP. And he happens to be a race car fan. He'll know who he is and he's listening to this. But the point is, we had this conversation where I said distinctly, I think AMP is the dumbest thing ever for a WordPress user. And the reason is simply this. AMP is designed to help Google with their particular end goals. For a WordPress user who already uses a responsive website, especially if you're on a theme framework like Genesis or Divi or anything else that's naturally responsive and mobile-friendly, it isn't going to help you to go through all the trouble. And I think this article just exemplifies, and I love it. It's a little bit of a, uh, I told you so for me. It's like, I said to why are you going through all these dancing in circles kind of moves to make this all friendly? Because the stuff that you're trying to sell is easily identifiable and sold just the way you had it. And he gave me the blah, 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 blah about the, the benefits for SEO and this and that and this and that. In the meantime, a week or two after that, he actually called him back and said that he was giving up in frustration. And apparently this is the experience that has been shared by many uh, mm. in the past. So. Yeah, before I throw it over to Chris, I, I've got to be honest here, I was dead against it, but I'm a total freaking hypocrite because... <laughs> you, li you like AMP? You use it? I didn't want to use it, but I've got a friend that's a bit of a SEO, does a lot of SEO work in the real estate industry. And he's my co-host for another podcast. And he showed me some analytical data. You know, he supports over 50 real estate websites for different clients. Mm -hmm. And he's been installing it and he showed me the analytical data. 
and he's a figure free. You know, he has all spreadsheets and he, you know he's he's bonkers really. But he loves uh, it. and he showed me the figures, and the figures don't lie. And I knew this was going to happen. Is that bloody Google? They said it would only they it would only they kind of. And they kind of gave it a low. I'm trying to find the right word here. They tried to make out it won't make an enormous difference, which is illogical anyway. So why bother? But they played it down a bit. But then he showed me the figures. It's a sizable difference if you use the technology, Spencer. But but hold on. This Ooh. gets back to a conversation. I'm sorry. I'm not going to hijack this whole thing. But you would never do that. We had conversations with John Locke in previous episodes about SEO and why it's evolved into a why bother. I think there's two types of people that care. Well, that's what you say. If you're, I'm saying, that's my opinion. That's why I'm here, right? SEO is important if you are in one of those businesses. Again, I had 29 years as a real estate developer. Real estate is one of those things where you see all the SEO oriented and the footers are set up and it's like best real estate agent in Chicago, best real estate agent in New Orleans, best real estate agent in this suburb and that. If you have one of those farming out copies of websites and marketing towards like hitting every geographic reference, I can understand why AMP would work for you because it's the same reason why SEO would work for you today. Only when you follow Google's rules or pay them, do you get elevated to the top of the search results. For 99% of everybody else in every other type of business, for example, a consultant or a technical expert or an advisor or whatever who deals with high ticket one-on-one relationships, there is zero tangible evidence that you will do better by using AMP because you're only dealing with one or two or three people a day maybe anyway, and the search results mean nothing. People find you through word of mouth, social you know, networking type of marketing, uh, being a presenter of content. You're not being found because you show up on front page of Google anymore. Uh, so that's where I would draw the line. I know, you know, it's your opinion. And I know. <laughs> I've got to tell you in practical terms, based on my experience now, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with you, but I want to get, keep it on subject. So, Chris, what? because um, I'm such a hypocrite, Chris, because I've stated that I thought this idea, this technology was like Satan's brew. Um, right. and, I, and the better part of me still believes that, yet I've bunned it on a few of my websites. So right. what, what does that make me, Chris? Uh, you know, I'm going to withhold judgment on that one, Jonathan. But uh, what I will say is that I've been really, really skeptical of AMP from the beginning. And, and the main mm-hmm. thing, reason why is that it's it, it deepens Google's foothold. AMP is basically Google's way of saying, hey, we're influential enough now. We're going to throw the lever and start making our demands regarding how you put your websites together. And we're going to take away control of things that we don't feel like you silly users should have control of in exchange for marginally better, or maybe not, as Spencer said, SEO performance. I I don't feel like that's in the best interest of the web in general, and I certainly don't feel like that's in the best interest of the people who are are putting their their various intellectual properties, uh, whether we're trying to sell something, whether we're trying to draw attention to a a side of existentialist poetry that we had written, or or any other thing that we want to have attention on the web and and, and, make a mistake. uh, Attention is the currency of the web. I, I think Google's trying to dictate things a little bit too much, and I'm not having it. And I'm glad that your friend has found the one use case that's perfect for AMP and his real estate business. For the rest of us, I'm with Spencer. I'm, I'm taking a pass on ASP totally, or AMP um, totally. The other thing I want to throw over to Spencer, um, I just want to put this to you, Spencer. 
why do you think WordPress got so in bed with it? Because isn't it really against some of the basic principles? I don't that, think, I, you mean WordPress automatic, the company, or WordPress in, as a plugin? Because I don't think they did get in bed with it. I think this is one of those things that came up and went away. It, it reminds me of things like back in the day, open off. Right back in 2006, it was open off this and open off that. And then what happened is people realized, oh, every venture capitalist wants their siloed community all to themselves. So they don't want to give you any meaningful API data. And later on, we've learned through, again, like your sponsor and through, uh, you know, uh, Zapier that APIs can be used for good, but it's not going to happen because they're willingly given up. It's sort of like, oh, you did this despite me. In the same way, AMP, Chris brought up the even better point that I made, which is, AMP is just Google's leveraging its muscle to say, Mm -hmm. almost like the sky is falling. If you don't do AMP for your mobile website, you're not going to show up. And I say, it's my opinion, who gives an F? Because I didn't need to show up in Google anymore anyway. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I personally got a client that came from any effort I ever made for search engine optimization. They came from YouTube videos. They came from being guest podcast uh, visitors, they came from like talking in Facebook groups, they came from real conversations with real people. But I do recognize, because I was in that industry, if you're one of 5,000 realtors in Charlotte, North Carolina, well, yeah, you probably have to hire one of those SEO gurus to just blast you out and try to float up into at least the you know second page. But it's still a, a deal with the devil. Rightio. So it's right. the it's the devil. So we agree, but it's the devil's technology. Uh, um. <laughs> I saw, by the way, totally unrelated to this conversation, but it brings up. I saw some expose. It was on like the, the, it was on the Daily Show, but they were talking about these guys that are. I don't want to get into politics and religion, but they were these guys that are, let's say, have stop me. Have a religious following who were saying that they needed a seventy-five million dollar private jet to do the work that they're doing. Wow. You do, don't the, guy, you? the quote that the guy said, who's a very well-known guy, said, "I can't fly commercial because I'd be in a long tube with a bunch of demons." And wow! I, I thought to myself, like that reminds me a lot of being in the WordPress forums. Well, actually, I'm flying back to the UK on the British Airways. Um, in, in a week and a half's time, I'll probably be the chief of a load of demons as well. There we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, on, Ryanair. Ryanair. <laughs> God, I'd never get back home. The bloody flu. I don't think that would be a good idea, letting Ryanair fly Atlantic. Standing up. I don't know what would happen to you. Uh, um, <laughs> they probably suit me now, but a lot worse. Has been, a lot worse has been said about them. Oh. On, on to the next story. Um <clears throat> it's been an ongoing theme over the few months because obviously this has been in the news a lot. But I actually thought this was an excellent article. Um, let's stop pretending Facebook and Twitter's CEOs can't fix this mess. And it's on the Wire magazine. And basically, um, well, I'm not going to waffle. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Well, first of all, I want to say I like the new format of Wired magazine. It's, it's yeah. a... It's something that I hadn't come back to in a long time. I kind of used to read the magazine magazine, then I lost sight of it and I came back. And I like this new format because it's kind of like The Verge now, but with a little tech crunch sprinkled in without all the like insider jokes. This article is a good one because, again, I wish Morton was here for this, but this was just like, yeah, of course. Hello. I mean, the motivation, the all-encompassing motivation is to please your investors. And this, you know, see no evil, hear no evil mentality is like, 
not a surprise to anybody who's well, ever John, had any contact. But to be fair, John Locke really put me right, you know, when I said, oh, they, they could hire personal editors. And I had this, you know, even though I'm English, Spencer, sometimes not my naivety of the um, flows out, because I actually thought that in some ways they wanted to, wanted to fix this, but the tr- John was right. No. They, you know, they, got, no, they could have fixed this long ago. It just didn't suit the bottom line, did it? I, I mean, if you, uh, uh, in 2006 and seven, I had some notorious interaction with Silicon Valley just as a Chicago. It's one way, way of putting it. Yeah. And so I enjoyed that interaction because I was also dealing with some people in London. And I got a global perspective. The, the show Silicon Valley on HBO, which I hope comes back soon, I think it was on uh, sabbatical or something, it's just like sums it up perfectly. The mindset inside of that bubble is such, and especially because the wealth involved, that you can say all you want, but in reality, you're just living inside of this bubble, this echo chamber, and everything is decided upon who is it that really affects you the most. I really do not believe that there's any incentive for a, a significant CEO like the two mentioned, you know, Jack Dorsey or, or uh, Zuckerberg, to, to actually change things, nor do I feel that they literally on their own have that ability. And that's just because the customers can go blah, 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 and the users go blah, blah, blah. But until that metric changes significantly, that the money and the money people are affected, the, the needle will continue to point in the same direction, which is, you know, just do more of the same regardless. So um, before I throw it over to Chris, um, I just want to put this to Chris. Um, I thought it was a great article. It really kind of um, didn't waffle and it kept on subject, unlike me, and uh, um, really put it right in front of you. But also there's part of me that thinks, Chris, that um, all the woes of society seem to be just kind of dumped on social media, which I think part of me thinks is ridiculous. You know, it's just kind of... It just amplifies, to me, social media just amplifies what's already out there. But Or is it doing something that is fundamentally new, something fundamentally we haven't seen before, Chris? I don't know that it's doing anything that's fundamentally new, but the thing to remember is that social media is absolutely explicitly designed to bring out the worst in us. It, it is an amplifier. It's absolutely an amplifier. But it's designed explicitly to bring out the most addictive, most reactionary behaviors in all of us. And unfortunately, that's exactly the kind of stuff that starts to take over these sites like Reddit and Facebook. Oh, Reddit. It prompts these conversations in the first place where people start saying, oh, you know, look at this. The author of the article phrased it really nicely when he said that the shitty content begins to take over the entire site. It spreads outward from the dark corners. And next thing you know, that's all the site is. That's what it becomes. And, you know, real voices, reasonable voices, they're, they're silenced, they're shouted down. And to some degree, yeah, that's absolutely by design. But on the other hand, these are real communities. People can report content that, that they find inappropriate. And if, and if there are moderators in place on someplace like Reddit, you know, you've got downvoting, you've got bans, you've got post removal. But that's treating the symptom. The real problem is the way these systems are designed in the first place. And to another degree, the CEOs who sit atop their structures. I don't know that there is a truly good solution for that without going so far as to really tamp down the things that attract even reasonable users to those sites in the first place. I I want to add something because Chris reminded me of it. I was listening to Casey Neistat and his wife Candace Poole's podcast called Couples Therapy. And it has nothing to do with this except 
Candace made an observation that applies to this. And I remember this because I was an avid photographer, a still photographer back in the, since forever, you know, black and white developed in the basement, you know, darkroom. Nice. She said she used to always carry a camera with her back before digital everything and online stuff. And that she took lots of pictures, but like, I, I relate to this myself. I took pictures because I enjoyed them personally. The difference today is that since the trio or the Blackberry, whatever had a phone in it and a camera too, people take pictures to share. And now that's the difference. There was a world of everything that was publication or news or everything else. It was, there was news outlets and there was publications, but people did stuff for themselves. So they did stuff for their own purposes or memories. Now people do things solely because they have access to a million, two million strangers and every thought that comes to their head, every picture that's in there is, is framed about what will people think of this or what will they do to this or how will this be affected? So I think that's a driving force. It's not the, the point of the article, but it's the reason why regular people in their dark little apartment somewhere have access to all these people that will pay attention to them. And that does bring out a different type of a personality than, you know, 100%. doing it for 100%. myself. Um, I noticed we've, um, <clears throat> it's been put forward and I, I, I think it probably won't be done, but I don't know. You know, we've, um, it's been pointed out that YouTube um, have got their, um, I think it's called Red service where you pay like 10, I think it's $10 a month and you don't get any adverts. You don't get any, um, adverts at all um, in it. And I, I'm surprised in the way that Google, I really was surprised that Google offered that in a way. Do you think, you know, do you think there's any chance that Facebook and Twitter, which I would normally say there's no chance they would, but on the other hand, Google, YouTube have done it. Do you think they could, there's any chance they would offer a service where you don't see the adverts or anything? Uh, did you hear what happened with YouTube Red? At least this is anecdotal, but there was a guy who plays down, is it? There was, there was a guy who said he clicked, a, you know, I'll try it. <clears throat> and again, it's anecdotal because I don't know if there's any evidence of this, yeah. but I'll just relate the story. He said that after he did the trial and decided he didn't want it, that his entire YouTube experience was adversely affected from there on out. So as where before, he would get a whatever, it's still a lot, but like you get one ad in the middle or one at the, you know, like you'd get a reasonable number of this or that. After he declined the invitation to stay with YouTube, he said YouTube became almost unusable for him on his previous login and he had to reset and go to something else. What I do enjoy, and I was actually writing about this just yesterday, was that we are in a sharing economy because it's so easy for somebody to move from this brand to that brand, from this product to that product, all the prices are transparent and so forth. And so the only way to really succeed for whomever it may be is to try these other avenues of, wow, new and original content. And I got to tell you, I just saw a preview yesterday on, it wasn't YouTube Red, but it was the YouTube, whatever they're calling it, where it was Jim Carrey's new show. And it was the uh, Showtime brand, but was putting it on YouTube and you get the sneak peek. And I got to say, that was really indicative. It was maybe the second or third show that I've seen where I go, you know what? Like I actually would watch this or pay for it. Maybe not for the subscription, but I would pay for the, give me the block of five or 10 or shows. So. Yeah. Um, that, I don't watch television. I just, you know, I'm a great consumer history and I, I get most of it from YouTube. Um, the only thing is recently there, obviously there's some, 
regional um, state elections for senators and that. And every time I go on YouTube, that this 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 particular advert for this, um, it's the most. It's, it's basically two adverts, and they're. I'm not going to name people because I don't want to go down. It's it's more about YouTube I want to discuss. And they run these two adverts about this democratic politician and about her dicey history. So they're negative, right? But they run them time over time over Every time I go to YouTube, it's these two freaking adverts. And I wasn't going to vote, but I'm going to vote for her just (laughs) just, just because these fuckers have been showing me these two adverts and I just want to stop. It's just, it's, it's most annoying, Spencer. Well, you know, the, you see this too, like on ABC. I, I only watch maybe one TV show, or at least I used to, was let's say Modern Family or something, or Blackish or something. They had some good shows there. If you just try to catch it on the ABC, you know, internet station on Roku or whatever it is, they take a show that's 22 minutes of content and, and they literally try to jam. I think it's like 197 commercials in it, but they can't fill it. So, like you're saying, They'll take like the same antihistamine commercial because that's all it is on network TV. It's all pharmaceutical. And they'll just mm-hmm. run the same pharmaceutical ad over like five times in that block. I have the same thing with politicians. I mean, I'm from Chicago and Illinois. So, I mean, hello. But the, the negative politician ads, it gets really weird because I'm on like something for my kids' Lego interests and all of a sudden up pops this political ad. But there is no other way. They haven't given us like an in-between option. They give you the no ads, which may be okay. Actually, it might be worthwhile at a certain point of annoyance. But they've never given you like pay or, you know, a limited amount of payment to get only things that I really care about and like choose what you want to see, which would be an interesting way to do it because I would listen to some ads about technology products or, you know, bicycles or, you know, airplanes. But I just, you know. I don't think that's going to happen in the real world because it'd be too difficult to manage. You know, nobody would choose to listen to a politician's ad. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Right. And um, I'm going to go for my break. Um, But before I go for the break, I want to talk about one of my sponsors and that's WP Fusion. And why is WP Fusion? Well, in your life, in your digital world, you've got two major, you should have two major technologies in your tech, platform in your tech you know that you rely on and that's basically wordpress and your crm but you know they don't always communicate in the way that you want um, for your clients or for yourself well wp fusion solves that problem it it enables wordpress to communicate with over 40 different types of CRM and puts that communication on steroids, basically. So you can you can do all the neat things about funnels, finding out which pages your client is going to and put it all in your CRM and then do things with that data. And it's just freaking amazing, really. And... And um, WP Fusion has given um, WP Tonic uh, a really unique offer to our listeners and viewers. If you go to their website and use the um, coupon code WP Tonic, 
or in upper cases, you will get 25% of any of their packages. And that is only offered to the listeners and viewers of WP Tonic. So I suggest you go over there and buy one of them. Um, seemingly a lot of you have, so that's that's good news. Uh, um, we're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. Coming back, uh, um, we've had a bit of a discussion, a small panel, but actually I think we've been doing well. We've had some good discussions. Um on to this other one, um, and I think um, Spencer kind of brought this up, and it's really it's linked to uh, ongoing conversations we've been having. Um, the real reason why WP Spain Shield was kicked off WordPress.org, this was published in 2017, but it has got linkage. What, 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 how do you think this throws a bit more light into our previous conversations, Spencer? Well, just to frame it, because this was, you originally had an article that was another thing about Gutenberg, which is a topic of conversation. And then that led to, which is good, which led to the uh, discussion about the fork and how it started as a joke or a political statement of sorts and became a reality because the way that the Gutenberg project and the ecosystem of managing WordPress has evolved in a way that's not, let's just say, not necessarily going in a democratic way or in a way that's even, it appears designed for the good of everybody. It seems to be going in a way that's uncertain and also without the framework that most larger companies have in order to keep them from turning into sort of a, I don't know, like an autocracy or a a parental type of a system. And that was where this article came in because this was from a developer who experienced and I'm going to drag a name out of the old, old archives, but there was a guy, and I think he's still around somewhere, but Chris Pearson, back when WordPress was Matt and a few other people, and he had the big cojones to, I think he was overdone, but he had the big cojones to take on Matt head to head about some of the founding principles of what open source is and how it works with the GPL, blah, blah, blah. And he got banished in some ways, but he certainly has a scarlet letter from those days. This guy is an example of what's, in my opinion, gone wrong now, where it's a gigantic one-third of the internet usage company, and it's still being run in the same way, which is if you say the wrong thing in the wrong way to the wrong person, and there's like only one or two big names, and they're listed in this article, you can find yourself banished, like your business taken away, your reputation tarnished. And then this article even went into examples, which I thought, again, factual evidence for it. It showed how it extended out into Reddit, into other places, the internet. He was being tormented by his just having the audacity to speak up in a reasonable way that he was not being treated objectively. And I think this is exemplary of what's going on in the Gutenberg thing, which is going to kind of further that rift of who's going to be on this side with the new thing and who's going to say this has gotten out of control and we don't even know where it's going. Let's get a band of us together 
and do it the way we think it should be done. Yeah, I agree with you. That's part of the WordPress community ecosystem that I've never been very happy with. I think there are some people that you are going to have to banish, you know, racist people that are so, so naughty, even though they're given a lot of slack. Um, but he was, been, not, he was none of these. No, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in any shape or form, Spence. I, I, I don't want to say that he was that type of individual at all. Um, but I do agree with you that, you know, apart from what I've just uh, outlined, the behaviour I've just outlined, there's other people that not really, they've been banished and excommunicated and um, for very uh, unfair reasons, you know, just speaking their mind. They not, might have not done it very tactfully uh, um, and they might have been advised. Um, the example that you put about Chris, I think Chris was his worst... I mean, and he, he was absolutely his worst. I mean, everybody was cringing. You know, advised, you know um, cause I, what I didn't know and, um, Oh God, my memory. Um, I had the, um, founder of studio press on, um, and the, no, the, um, the other partner, um, the lawyer, a fellow lawyer, um, God, uh, my memory. I mean, I had a chat with him and I didn't, you know, you can listen to the episode. When my memory recovers, I'll, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. And he, he was in business with Chris. Um, um, that He started the theme with Chris, you know, selling themes. And Chris went off on this, on this, argument with Matt, you know, about, and he said to Chris, he said, you know, this ain't going to help us. You know, we need to, you need to calm down a bit, blah, blah, blah. And he said, he, Chris just wouldn't listen, wouldn't listen to logic and reason. So what can you do? So he went off and um, started Studio Press, you know, but that's life, isn't it? You know, what do you reckon, Chris? Do you think, do you, especially about this Gutenberg, well, first of all, you know, what you, what have you been making of, of all this stuff about Gutenberg in general? Well, uh, before I get into Gutenberg, the uh, the WP spam shield issue is absolutely another example of what we were talking about with regard to Google earlier. Somebody's got enough leverage and enough muscle that they can throw the lever and start making their demands, uh, which is always a little bit distasteful when it's in the ecosystem of something like WordPress, which is supposedly more of a foundation than a company supposedly committed to democratizing the internet and in support of free speech. It, it, and all of a sudden it just turns into a, a complete uh, political shit show. That's, that's never a good thing for anybody. As far as Gutenberg goes, frankly, I've been trying to keep that as arm's length as possible from the day it was announced. There were people with very, very hot takes on it for and against. And frankly, it seems like one of those things that just has so much hype behind it that A, it can't possibly live up to the hype, even if it turns out to be an excellent addition to the ecosystem. So I'm, I'm playing the long game here. I'm just, I'm observing for, from far and I'm waiting to see how it all falls out. And it, hopefully it doesn't drive a wedge through the community like, uh, like you anticipated it might. Um, although to, to some degree, we're already kind of seeing those cracks forming, which is a shame. I think you put that so well, Chris, really, you really do. Uh, no, I, I'm torn because um, I agree with Morton. I think the whole process was a bit of a, um, how it was initially planned was a bit of a shit fest 
be quite truthful about it. And uh, um, and it is and the and the results of that have still been felt now. And he, he I wouldn't say he's been excommunicated because of that, but um, I think he's he's welcomed to certain parts of the WordPress community has got a little bit chillier. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, um, um, but he's not been excommunicated because everybody knows he's a fantastic guy and he, he's got a great heart. So to excommunicate him would be ridiculous. Uh, um, but on the other hand, but the, the people that are really so negative about it all, I think uh, I can see the reasons why it had to be done. Uh, I can see the business logic. And um, I think it could end up being really very beneficial. Uh, um, but I do agree with Morton. I just don't think the way it was decided and some of the um, some of the things that were decided rather rather quickly or um, a little bit more consideration should have been put into it. Um, so I, I try and be reasonably moderate on either either side am i am i succeeding at that spencer or am i I think you're being objective which is fine but i mean the the facts that i like to look at are there for everybody to see and so i see i'm contrarian by nature so Mm. anybody who knows me knows that's where my biggest selling point is as a person that can i'm like the kid in the emperor's new clothes story I just see it and I call it. Now, I don't have the benefit, and that's why I love when Martin gives his opinion. I don't have the benefit of the details from the other side. But again, some of the things I referenced earlier, I've had some nice encounters with people from the venture capital world and the bigger Silicon Valley world and understanding that bubble and mindset. What I see here is an example laid out my lawyer background in factual reference. He was very careful Mm -hmm. to show archive pages, not his own screenshot. Like he's laid out his whole thing. And the person named who I don't need to say here, who's the, like one of the original head people at, you know, automatic, the guru, if you will. Say it, Spencer, say it. Yeah, you say it. It's it's like the name, what is it? The thing that shall not be named is acting in a way that's demonstrably unfair punitive and not representative as Jonathan used those words of a company. And he laid it out as well, who has fairness and open source and community and all these touchy feely words around it. It's not that kind of behavior. It's the kind of behavior of shut your mouth. Next question. You know, Mm -hmm. certain press secretaries, if you say the wrong question, you are done. Okay. Should be banned. You're evil. It's like, here's a community where this is clearly a huge, issue of I'm doing something with, by the way, a product that wasn't even paid product at the time that's competing against something that's installed by default in WordPress. I think that's also representative of the problem here. For example, we've talked before about how Jetpack is a do as we say, not as we do on a million levels. Nobody would get away with that. Well, nobody's worried about Hello Dolly, but Akismet and this guy's plugin were direct competitors. And it just seems even more ironic that he would be, you know, thrown to the curb over this issue when there's a million other multitudes of wrongs happening in the repository and nobody's getting punished. And now we get to see the facts about it. And I just find the thing a bit repugnant because at a certain point, everybody says, where's the exit? And this is just not really helpful for what we really all want, which is, I think, can't we just get along? Can't we just run this like a normal Silicon Valley (laughs) company where you know, you have a structure and somebody could get forced out by the board of directors. But 
Otherwise, you're just allowing us to all say, we'll take the software and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, if it's not obvious, I would be the first person to run because I long ago gave up any belief that I can be in allegiance with, uh, you know, a, a sort of socialist environment. I have to be a capitalist at my heart. And if the money is going to be made by doing things with the old software that somebody else runs away with, I'm getting on that boat. Well, I'm a kind of contradiction. I'm a social capitalist. I believe Fair in cap- capitalism with a human face, you know, not some some enormous corporation that fundamentally is faceless and um, the cold hand of its abuse you feel on it, your <laughs> shoulder. Uh, <laughs> they should have, a le- how about elections? You should be able to vote for who you want, like this well, one. I've got something really vote revolutionary. for whoever works for Automatic. I've got something really revolutionary. Why not give some Term sh- limits. Uh, some of the equity of the business of these multi-internationals to their poor workers? So they share the benefit of their uh, inflated share price. Oh, God, can't have that, can we? You know, ne- never. Uh, um, so, um, well, the other thing is, you know, the, we've also, um, this is flared up in, you know, even, even possibly to an even more uglier level in the theme side of of it, hasn't it? Because that's yeah. been, there's some big money, well, there's big money in the plug-in side, but there's even, seems to be even more money in the theme side, doesn't it, Spencer? Yeah, I had a conversation the other day, uh, a very smart guy, I don't want to say his name, but he, he's uh, he's got involvement in a project to improve the search capabilities of both the repository, the theme repository, and so forth. And also, we can see, for example, that how the, whatever you want to call them, page builder or modular editor, whatever this is, like that can carry over into the theme community because with so many people creating so many themes that are essentially you know, redundant, it does start to become sort of a crowded space. And the winner is going to be the person that figures out a way to both please, you know, the powers that be, but also is able to get enough people on board to say, this is the solution. I'm a preferential uh, patron of uh, elegant themes. I happen to like Divi, and I, I think that they get away with a lot of stuff because they've been sort of overly generous from the start, much like, let's say, Carl Hancock at Gravity Forms with Rocket Genius. You know, they are old school, but their business model is you pay us a little amount of money and you get everything we do for the whole year. And I think that is really hard to do today, mm-hmm. but the fact that they do it is good because that is kind of like an example of if you can and you offer something that enough people will, will take, you can capture enough to just like that. Oh, I love Divi. You know, it's kept me um, in house and food for a long time, sorting out right. their problems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Sorry, sorry English. Song. Hashtag endorsement. Cheetos. <laughs> Zingers. Maybe they keep on going. Uh, yeah. Please keep going. Um, Oh, no. I think we go on to the next one, shall we? Um, it's, I think we've got more happy. Um, right, let's, let's get. Oh, my God. Come on, wake up, Jonathan. Uh, um, 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts. Oh, my goodness. Jaron Linear. Linear? How would you. Linear? Pronounce? I would pronounce it Linear. Linear. So let's start with Chris. Um, what did you think of this one? You know, I. Right, right off the bat, when I read the title, he's a wild dude, isn't he? He's a wild. Yeah. Is that the is that the same guy at the top of the picture as in the bottom of the picture? 
I don't think so. No. I don't think so. No. Guy in the top's too young, I yeah. think. It says 10 years ago, but I'm thinking like he... Uh, yeah, photograph 1990. Yeah, that's him. Wow, oh, that's bro. wild. That's yeah, wild. Right. That's well, wild. basically, the minute I saw the title, I thought to myself... I, I had two thoughts. I, number one, I thought, oh, I, I don't need 10 reasons. I don't need 10 reasons to justify <laughs> that. And my second thought was... I can't believe somebody managed to get an entire book out of this, but you know what? God bless him for it. If he's got deep enough thoughts and, and he goes back a long way on the web. So clearly he's got deep, deep foundation in this, but I, I haven't deleted my social media accounts, but I'm just coming off of a kind of a nine month Twitter sabbatical. Um, wasn't very active on Instagram or Facebook either, aside from the occasional cat photo. You de-Twitter-toxified de yourself. I did. I really did. And Part of it was that I decided to stop promoting my side products. And so, I mean, that's honestly, that's really all I'll always use Twitter for. But the flip side of it does go back to something that we talked about earlier and the way these things are designed uh, with negative reinforcement and addictive behavior and, and impulse and compulsion and envy and, and all the things that are kind of baked into the mixture that they rely upon to keep people using these services Frankly, I just felt like it wasn't good for my mental health and I needed to take a breather. That for me, that is the one reason and the only reason that I needed. I just didn't feel like it was good for me, the amount of effort that I was putting into it and the way being so deeply ingrained in those ecosystems tends to skew a person's view of what uh, social currency is. It tends to skew a person's view of what their own success is in terms of promoting a product and trying to see a contraction or not. Um, creating this warped view where, where you're dealing with a steady stream of everybody's successes all day long while you're sitting here in a stinking pool of your own failures. It's, it's, it's very, very, very skewing and it's very much living in a bubble. And at a certain point, it just got to be a bit much. What the other nine reasons could be, I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you that that was my one reason. Well, it's a really good reason. Before, I just want to put this to Spencer. Um, how do you in real in in cold business terms, how do you make a judgment at how, because I, I think if you're running a business, you've got to use social media, but how how do you use it effectively without you being sucked into building up somebody else's business and not yours? You mean Twitter? Or, what? or any of these social media platforms? You know, I go back to uh, Chris's thoughts echo my own. So it's not really that hard to figure out. Uh, one of the personal well, I'm, experiments. I'm, just, I'm not the sharpest no, tool. But, but, I, I'm going to give you a different spin out. One of the personal things that I did this summer as an experiment was I felt as a person who grew up as a, just a voracious reader of regular books, even magazines, right? I used to just run to the library as a kid or the Barnes and Noble as a, you know, a, a young adult mm-hmm. and I would just spend all day before coffee or not. The point was reading is a different thing than consuming internet content or reading internet content. And what I found was the same is true. Don't forget. That's in your house, right? I know. It's like, I heard something, maybe it's on Chris's side. So the same I found is true with regard to news. I have for a long time, completely just refused to listen to any news uh, on regular TV or read newspapers. The reason was I found myself becoming hyper agitated the moment that I did. It became like a sort of high speed treadmill, like a gerbil treadmill, like, oh my God, outrage, 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 outrage. So from a social media standpoint, 
That seemed obvious to me. My Facebook, uh, I have a business Facebook and a personal Facebook. Don't, don't tell them that I have two. But the point is, I have just turned off everything or anybody that ever even mentions anything political or, you know, like outrageous. I just want to hear about some business stuff or I want to hear about like good things that people do. In the sense of like uh, reading, I found my brain was incapable of finishing a chapter in a book. So I made my own experiment for eight weeks and I stopped reading anything on the internet. And I found it took me a good solid two weeks till I could read again. And I'm not saying I've been cured, but it was like literally a different skill altogether. And I found that a little unnerving because there's something in our brains that gives us the ability to do stuff, play guitar, sing, ski, ride a bike that you exercise that muscle. And when you stop exercising your normal reading, which by the way, is different because it's one directional. When you read a book, a biography, whatever, it's one directional, but you're still thinking and visualizing it versus watching a movie. Whereas when you're on, let's say internet related thing, you're getting a million people's thoughts on what you're reading at the time you're reading it. So now it becomes again like, oh, you know, this wasn't what the author wanted, it's whatever. So to end this long diatribe, my point is, I think everybody would be wise to pick something that they feel they're addicted to on the internet related and see how it goes without it. Because likewise, when I came back, I do not find myself desiring to go spend any great time reading stuff on websites. I, my observation about Wired Magazine was I hadn't been that close to that in a while. But when I came back, I felt like, wow, this was actually like reading the old magazine, not like some Facebook thing that's designed to get me to click. Yeah, I think that's really a really great observation. And also a lot of these publishing sites that you, you know, a lot of them are unusable because they've got so many pop-ups, banners, you know. But I, I've got a thing that solves that. I use a browser called Brave and um, that's what I go, I've got a, a bookmark list of public, publication sites that are totally unusable, but I just use Brave and it, it deals with the crap. Uh, um and um, but I think it's, it's a great observation. Have a little bit of a break from it, and that will kind of refocus you, so you don't. And then use it, and then um, have a reminder in your calendar, your Google Calendar, and have another little break from it for a week, two weeks, because you get kind of it is addictive. That that that's how they find it, it, it have they? It, it's not even that. You know what I find is that. I can't tell you how often people say to me, oh my God, did you hear what happened today? And it's a beautiful sunny day. I was out for a walk, a bike ride. I did some work. I was with my kids. I made a nice <laughs> meal. Everything in my world was perfect. Like, no, you, do you know what happened today? And I go, no. And then right. some blah, 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 political this, political that. I'm like, just stay away. Just, just. I just, yeah, you've got to keep yourself informed, though, a little bit. Here's why. Hold on. Hold on. Here's how I do it. My secret. If I want to know a little bit about what's going on in the world, I have two sources on YouTube in three to four minute clips that are entertaining. I watch the YouTube monologue of Stephen Colbert or Seth Meyers while I'm making breakfast for my kids. And I hear all the drama boiled down to a couple really funny jokes. And if it's of any interest, I can always read it later. But like, I can just laugh and I don't get outraged. I don't get worked up and I move on. In the same way with the pop-ups, I use Adblocker Plus. I find it sad, but unfortunately a necessary convulsion of our world that all of these, gosh, 
darn news sites are just doing this like Bloomberg for F's sake. Really? You think that just because you publish something on the internet, I'm going to give you a dollar for this. I just take the title and I put it in Google and I go read it. It's like, stop, just stop. It's when you put the ad block on, you can almost read the thing, but then it goes, you have ad block. You can't read this. I'm like, stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come back here anymore. I mean, I don't know who they think that this is like charging a dollar for text messaging in 1997. And then like, look where that got everybody, right? We know it costs nothing. Figure out a way to make everybody want to be part of you, like Netflix or like we're talking about the YouTube Red or some model that makes us want to be patrons of you. And maybe we will, but not because of this. Enough. Yeah. I don't know about um, I don't know about getting my news from a a comedian. I'm, I'm not sure I'm with you on that one, Spencer. But um, what I'm totally with you on is that issue of deep focus, uh, losing the ability to read a book, finding yourself sucked into, and 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 trained on, and and having that superficiality of focus, really really well exercised by social media, and then we lose the ability to do deep focus, deep study, deep learning. That's really important stuff, and that is, I, I find, becoming a skill, a legitimate skill that is becoming rarer and rarer and rarer as we expose right. ourselves to inputs that really just train our superficiality without really giving us the ability to, to ponder more deeply. I, I think you made a great point with that one. It's just the ability to actually deep, like, like sit down for three hours, right. shut everything off, and get you know, the momentum. Like, the, yep. oh, my God, look what I just did. And Absolutely. It, it's hard because you're you're just like an addict. You oh, 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 gotta, gotta go check, gotta go check. And if right. I find myself doing it because I always felt I was a non-addictive person, I find then something is definitely in need of a correction. So, right, on, on to the next story. Um, right to your. Let's find it. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? Oh God, there we go. Um, Six of the must-have word. Wait, oh, no, not that one. Oh God! Yeah, oh, God. yeah um, membership. Find no. the right WordPress membership. Find plugin. the WordPress membership plugin for your site. What right. did you think of this one, Chris? You know, this one is okay. Confession: for the past fifteen years, um, I've done a lot of membership work for a, a couple of particular consulting clients. So, whenever the issue of WordPress membership plugins comes up, I get really excited and. Despite all my excitement, I have yet to find the one, like capital T, capital O, T, M, the one that, uh, that will, will subjugate all other membership plugins. A lot of these look fantastic to me. Um, I've used uh, Restrict Content Pro, which I don't think made – oh, there it is in the middle. I've used Restrict Content Pro. That's great. I've used MemberPress. That's great. A couple of these others I haven't used. Um, but I find that, as with a lot of things that, that begin with the headline, the best dot, 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 it's so situational. There's a little bit of clickbait going on, which is fine. I get it. But um, it, my experience has been that anytime I need to spin up a membership site, sometimes there are no best plugins. Sometimes we have to hand roll. Sometimes we find that one fits the use case really nicely and other times we don't. So as much as I like lists like this, I, I think what I, would, what I would encourage somebody to do who's reading it is actually install all of these instead of just taking an article's word for it and play around with them a little bit. Um, I know that sometimes people are hesitant to do that. You have a client breathing down your neck. You have a deadline. It's the first time you've done a membership site, and you're absolutely freaking out because you don't want to screw it up. But um, it's, uh, I think it's worth the time to, to actually sit down and, and get our hands dirty and experiment with these. What do you think, Spencer? Exactly. What do you think, Chris? No, uh, <laughs> I, 
you know, you and I are both in the same space. So uh, every day, I mean, that's my specialty is membership. Right. Stuff. And for the last 12 years, I did a good Jonathan, by the way. So we're good to go. It, was, um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. <laughs> what do you think, Jonathan? I'll give you a break. Nature called. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was about to say, this is right in my wheelhouse. Right. The plugins themselves are fine. But I discovered a little guy, not a little guy, that's fair. A little secret plugin that is now not so secret, WP Fusion. What WP Fusion allowed to happen is I was able to connect that world I was dealing with with many of my corporate clients who were using marketing automation platforms, let's call them CRMs, instead of one-way email marketing like a traditional MailChimp or you know old-fashioned stuff. These were platforms, but now the new versions of them have both mailing capability plus CRM capability plus tags and fields. The WP Fusion is the first one that I know of, and that's why I'm so ravaging, you know, excited about this, that allowed me to connect the CRM world of my customers to the WordPress world. And it's like, there's, that's Carol. I think it's coming from Chris. Actually. Wasn't me. Okay. Yeah. So Wasn't me. The, the, point, the point is, is that it has revolutionized and changed the way we build our own membership sites and the ones for our clients to be the membership plugin is no longer part of the problem. It's no longer part of the issue. The ecosystem of WordPress has a fundamental need for something like WooCommerce to take the money. And we choose WooCommerce over EDD because it allows us to have that whole ecosystem of things that work with WooCommerce because, of course, it's an automatic plugin. And I've talked about the whole JigoShop to WooCommerce thing. And, you know, there's a 250 extensions that will work off WooCommerce. So if you use that to take the money with Stripe, you get to connect everything else that improves your ecosystem. An LMS is essential for anybody who has more than a few pieces of content. We happen to like, you know, Chris's product, which is Lifter LMS. There's also LearnDash. Gamification is nice. As a forms program, Gravity Forms. But the one thing you do not need anymore, and I'm not saying I've used all these plugins and I still test them. If you're going to build a bigger thing, the one thing that you need is to just replace the membership with tags and custom fields. And now by using tags and custom fields and taking the money in WooCommerce, your entire setup is completely modular. It's not locked into that one big problem that all of these create, which is, I've been there myself. If I went with Paid Memberships Pro and I love them as a company, they have that whole like buy it once, get the support, you know, member press we've used, I enjoy it for that. You get into that ecosystem, you are locked into that. All of your customers are locked into there. And while we have a way to extricate the people out, you're still stuck with like that membership plugin is your business. Whereas if you do it with tags and custom fields and you use your CRM of your choice, everything is agnostic. It just has a tag that says yes or no, somebody gets it. Even your CRM can be swapped out. The only one key component is probably, unfortunately, or for the necessity, WooCommerce. Because you just... You need some way to connect to Stripe and, you know, do the tagging and custom fields from the purchase. So anyway, my point of this whole like takeaway is the plugins are great, but I think that anybody who would consider building a new membership today without looking at how to use their CRM is missing a real opportunity because ultimately all the questions that I answer almost inevitably are, oh, I started using this plugin and now I want to do more because I need marketing automation and I can't do it because I can't get the blah, blah, blah membership plugin to do this. And you're just sort of like, uh, you know, asking for trouble not to consider otherwise. Mm. Mm. What are you rocking, Jonathan? Well, I kind of 
I'm just going to throw it over to Chris. What, what's your experience of all this, Chris? What do you think of Spencer's spiel here? You know, what do you... You know, there's a uh, there's a vein of truth running through the middle of it, especially the bit about WooCommerce. WooCommerce is like, man, I've been in the technology field for 20 years now, and, and WooCommerce still kind of approximates magic, as far as I can tell. Uh, very useful stuff, and I and I agree with your 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 points about integrating that into your membership workflow. But again, as much as as much as every client likes to think that they're a special snowflake, it turns out that a lot of them actually are. So. I'm always hesitant to prescribe one particular way of doing things, although I can absolutely see where if somebody were on, say, Member Press or Restrict Content Pro, they might get into trouble with exactly the thing that Spencer was, was pointing out about uh, advanced CRM and marketing functions. So th- there's definitely something to that. You know, I want to I caveat this by saying the right size knife for the job, right? Mm-hmm. You get those knives, go to Ikea, you get the big block, it's got 20 knives. Like if I'm just cutting something, I just need the simple little knife knife. But right. if I need that bread knife to cut, you know, with that serrated edge, the differentiator between a basic, like I just started my business and I have one product I want to sell, you can go do that on Gumroad or you can go do that on some other platform. There's nothing wrong with it. But for most people who have got a product and they have some fit to the marketplace and they want to be able to future-proof themselves, my suggestion is, again, based upon daily experience with this, that it's really hard to avoid that plug-in, lock-in scenario and get the benefit of a CRM versus if you just start with that mindset of, look, the CRM is the brains, so orbits my planet, the planet is WordPress, and it's got all the plugins I need for their own function. You could actually, if you wanted to, by the way, I should say, you could still use a membership plugin, but it just becomes redundant because mostly what a membership plugin does is it gives access to content or not. That's natively capable through your CRM and with the connection to WP Fusion. So what you really need is a management of the content, which is where the LMS kicks in. But that's only for people who, you know, again, have a thoughtful amount of content, you know, more than a couple pages or videos. It has to be like a librarian necessity. Um, and by the way, Jonathan, I love you, you've improved your ads for WP Fusion. But again, I have no financial stake in that whatsoever. But I will say the number one use for WP Fusion is as a membership solution. That's what it. That's why it's like on steroids. Is that eliminates the pain that many people who have advanced businesses have of they are running advanced marketing automation already, ConfusionSoft, ActiveCampaign, Drip, Entreport, and they can't connect that to their membership site in a good way so that they can keep track of what people are buying, what they're doing. What WP Fusion really does is it allows you, just like email does on traditional marketing stuff, it allows you to measure and track the people and then change the environment according to what you want them to see so that they have a very personalized experience. And that ultimately means when you pour a thousand customers or prospective customers in the top of your your sales funnel, more of them will convert into buyers because they feel like you only showed them what they wanted. You didn't spam them. Uh, I'm not going to a website and seeing something related to, you know, feminine hygiene products or kids toys. I'm seeing the things I want to see about your product that relate to me as an adult male. And therefore I'm more likely to feel like you care about me and become a member of whatever you're trying to do. And that's what it does brilliantly. But in the process, it does kind of obviate the need to have an additional membership site, uh, a membership plugin, unless, you know, you've got an ulterior purpose. Radio Spencer. Uh, um, so that, that's what happens when you only have three panel, two panel members. <laughs> I think it's still been a good show. But Chris, just to kind of finish off, Chris, what, what, why, what are 
Have you got any insights about some of the plugins that they talked about in this article about this is ridiculous question you um you know what are some of the strengths and weaknesses just give us like a quick two or three that people oh. need to know about you know you know if i had to call one out i would call it restricted content bro i've seen that that one's got a ton of flexibility and it's simple to set up. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul Jarvis runs an entire course selling and you know premium content membership type business off of that thing. And, and that guy's been doing fantastic for years. I, I think he's got three other plugins in the mix to help him manage his his uh, his courses. And that's it. Uh, I've got a couple of other other friends who are doing really simple, straightforward membership and or you know exclusive content type sites with Restrict Content Pro. It, it's just the simplicity really can't be beat. That's that's the one that, that stands out. That's the one that I start with whenever I have a membership site to do. And, and if, if that's not quite the right one, then I branch out for there. But really, forget three features. It's just one. Can a normal human being set up and use this thing in the long term to make money? And, and overwhelmingly, the answer appears to be yes. What do you think of MemberPress? MemberPress, I've got limited experience with. I've only done one project, and I was managing that one rather than developing that one. I've turned into I've turned into a suit these days. Don't don't hate me. Um, that I'll, one seemed I'll be, never hate you. I never right. That one seemed to be a little bit less complicated, but it also seemed to offer more features, more flexibility. Um, that cuts both ways. With more flexibility, you have a greater ability to take careful aim before shooting yourself in the foot. But at the same time, you're less likely to run into those scenarios like what Spencer was laying out, where you really want to do a little something more with your membership business but you just can't do it because it's just not there. With MemberPress, it's definitely there. Uh, you just have to be diligent about figuring out how to use it. And what about, see, these are the three, that are, the Pipping One, MemberPress, and this one. What about paid membership pro? You know, that one I do not have specific experience with. Um, it looks nice. They're the three that I've got any extensive experience on, so I just wanted to get your feedback. Yeah, no, paid memberships pro is outside of my wheelhouse, unfortunately. Right, Spence. User Access Manager is rightly put in the article. It's a great lightweight plugin. If you just need something quick and dirty, use it. It does the job. It doesn't have anything to do with products, but it has to do with context. Members by Justin Tedlock is my favorite plugin when I want a role manager, believe it or not. I don't use it for membership. I use it. It stemmed from an article he wrote about five years ago that I followed and did manually. Then he made it into a plugin. It's the best plugin I know of to fix custom roles, especially if you're doing something in WooCommerce where you, you, know, you want to say if somebody is a blankety-blank capability. So that's definitely good in the wheelhouse. Ultimate member is, again... I've never, used, I've never used it. What, members? No, I, I would only use the, I would do, you only use members for role capability. No, the the the, the last one you mentioned. Ultimate, ultimate yeah, ultimate member is a little bit uh, of a hybrid. I, I wouldn't put it as my favorite. I have used it, but I don't feel like its dashboard is up to snuff with the other ones. Restrict Content Pro is again Pippins. Uh, that is like all of his stuff, high quality, really well done, very thoughtful. They're very responsive. However. I feel like it's an elephant gun for shooting pigeons for many people. And the same way that if you want to get esoteric about it, he's really smart with the marketing. But when you say easy digital downloads versus WooCommerce, people think, oh, I have to use it because I have digital stuff, thinking that all of a sudden WooCommerce can't sell digital stuff. Right. So Restrict Content Pro is a legacy product that predated the shopping cart. It does a great job. He needs to have it. I think it's 
not my first choice. Member press is the best of the pure membership ones. Its downside is twofold. Number one, it doesn't do anything to do with products. So if you have products and you're trying to sell access to a download, you're, you're hosed. I mean, you have to do a lot of weird customization. Like you have to make a membership to access a product. And even though there's workarounds, it's awkward. The second thing is it has its own way of dealing with Stripe subscriptions and memberships that gets you into a whole heap of trouble when you want to try to undo people that are beyond the scope of this. Finally, Paid Memberships Pro, I love because the author and his wife run it. It's a homebrewed thing, but their payment structure is such that it's like you're paying for access to the community and the updates. Uh, and it's currently very inexpensive. It's a one-time year. Uh, let me look it up. Hold on. 200 and something. Hold on. I got to remember his name because I had a lot of experience uh, working with them initially on the old site that I ran. So it's free to get the plug in. Then you have your unlimited and your plus plans. But the point I'm making is that it does a really good job, albeit developer oriented, definitely developer oriented of giving you both the capability of membership access control, as well as download control, as well as integration with things like Stripe and WooCommerce ecosystem. However, lots of snippets, lots of like, oh, here's the library, go grab your function, put it in functions PHP. So if you're just somebody who wants things to work, awkward at best, but very powerful if you're a developer who wants to customize. I, again, come full circle, not to bang the drum. If we were talking about, if, if we were doing it a different way, what I say is with, with WP Fusion, a meta box pops up, short codes are available or template tags are available. So it's as simple for an, a beginner as an advanced person to say, this is content that you can see if you have a tag, yes or no, ta-da. That's actually quite easy because he's not trying to do anything with that that has all the other take the money, manage the members, contact people, you know, get in touch with Stripe. All those extra functions are somewhat redundant, especially if you already have WooCommerce, which ironically many people have anyway because they want to do a membership site and e-commerce. And so now it's like they're carrying a member plugin with all that stuff and WooCommerce. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. Uh, um, I think we'll wrap, we wrap it up now. We've had a good discussion. Well, Spencer has. Uh, Rob, exactly. so, yes. <laughs> I warned you before the show. Oh, cool. I, I, I think it's been a great discussion. I think Chris, Chris, my apologies, by the way, for no, Chris monopolizing this whole show. No worries. Chris is, no Chris worries. is a great guy, and I think he's, uh, he's shown it during this episode. He's very thoughtful, and he's got some great comments, Chris. Um, Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, anybody who's interested in clarifying their vision for a WordPress membership site, uh, visit us at WPLaunchify.com and do a roadmap uh, consultation. So WPLaunchify.com. That's great. And Chris, if people want to find out more about you and what you're about, what's the best way, Chris? You know, Jonathan, for once, I have nothing to sell or promote. So I'll just say this. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as uh, Chris underscore Hawk. And if you can't find me on Twitter, I don't care because I'm taking a break from all that sort of thing. <laughs> And if you want to find it, and if you really want to support the show, folks, um, go to the WP Tonic website, you know, go to either Kinster or go to WP Fusion. They're great sponsors of the show. And if you feel really generous, maybe go to iTunes and give us a review because it really does help us um, get up on the iTunes charts. And our audience is growing. We had a record uh, month last month, so that was great news. And uh, we'll see you next week, folks. 
where we have another great discussion about WordPress and what's going on the internet in general. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.